Hi, I'm Dr. James Ahrens, the ADHD author and veterinarian. Welcome to the last podcast of The Inconvenient Goddess, the first book in the ancient Katie Reynolds series. Chapter 39 Revelation Renee woke Katie up the next morning, shaking her hard in his excitement. Katie, wake up! I need to talk to you! You'll never guess what happened. Um, okay, wait, give me a second, she rubbed at her face. We had a great time last night. What time is it? It's still dark, Renee. No, it's morning. It's getting lighter. Okay, tell me, Renee, what happened to you? We went looking for that stallion. You know, that horse with no name that Kikoli has been trying to catch? Apollyon, that's what I'm calling him. Well... Apollyon came here yesterday, broke the pasture wall, and stole a bunch of mares. Really? How many? Sixty-four. Sixty-four mares? Wow, that's a lot. How many are left? Oh, there are still lots of mares, Katie. Wait till you see the setup. They have thousands of horses, and he only broke into one pasture, but we went out after them. How? We took the chariots. After we dropped you off, we drove to the stables, and just as we got there, someone came out and told Toma what happened. He whistled us back into formation. We waited for a few minutes. Ten more chariots pulled in front of us, and then we followed them. How fun, Katie said, sitting up in bed. Mm-hmm, Renee nodded. We looked for the horses all night, Katie. I just got back, and I'm exhausted and ready for bed. I haven't ridden a chariot that hard in a long time. Katie laughed at her new chariot expert. And the stallion, did you find him? The stallion? No. After several hours, Toma ordered us home, and that was it. It was fun, but it was too dark to accomplish anything. What did you do last night? I was bored. Everyone was gone. I guess Kikoli was out with you. No, I didn't see anyone other than the Amante commanders, Katie. I wonder where everyone was. She felt important things were happening in the background. I wonder where Kikoli is now. He was in the dining hall just a minute ago. Would you please find him and tell him I would like to meet him at the stables before you go to bed, please? Sure, your highness. Renee saluted her. He could always make her smile. Thanks, Renee. Tell him I'll meet him in half an hour. Katie arrived and smiled as soon as she recognized Kikoli. He was here to talk, just as she requested, and she so much needed to talk to someone. Hopefully he could be trusted, for there was no one else she knew to seek out. Is it time for a horse ride? Kikoli asked. Certainly, Katie said. But what about King Toshrata? Will he be with us? Kikoli laughed heartily. The king? No, I doubt he's even touched a horse, let alone ridden one. You will meet him later. This day is for you and me. Katie looked at him. She admired his surety and hoped some of it would rub off on her. He seemed like someone who knew the answers, and if he didn't, they weren't significant enough to worry about. If horses could trust this enigmatic, wild-haired horse-whisperer, she could too. Yes, Kikuli, she said. A horse ride will be fine. Every fiber in her was screaming for answers to help her understand her new life, but outwardly she remained composed. The black one, the black stallion, she said. Did you catch him last night, Kikuli? Evidently not, Divine Ishtar. Kikuli was asleep last night. He shrugged his shoulders and grinned. Every mare remains with the black one, despite the young, bull-headed men who went after them. I suggest you and I clean up this royal mess. What do you say, O oh great goddess? I agree, Kikoli, master horse trainer. 
Katie felt herself drawn with confidence to the only fellow who might have answers for her in this dark time. What adventures I could go on with you, she thought. He was the one man here who made her feel she was an equal, not a goddess. I can catch him, you know, she whispered. The comment, or maybe the closeness, jarred Kikoli. He took a step back. No, I do not believe you will catch him, he said. I only need twenty men, Kikoli. You will not catch him with chariots, Ishtar. Yes, I will, yes, I will, she thought, but didn't say it out loud. Her mind bubbled with excitement as she fought to maintain her stoic, public persona. Or, at least, she thought she did. But her dancing eyes gave her away. Kikoli smiled and shook his head no, but his eyes lit up too. He loved a challenge. You must watch more and think less, Kikoli, Katie laughed, continuing the banter. Are you ready to try this my way? He nodded. Okay, let's do this, he said. Come on, goddess, show me what you've got. They had been stalking the elusive stallion for an hour when Kikoli motioned for Katie to slow. She pulled back on Ben's reins. Whoa, boy, she said. Kikoli stopped on the top of a rise, the natural dam that slowed the river and created a wide, flat section. The black stallion stood on a sandy inside bend of the river. His head was low as he brushed his lips over the ground, grabbing at bunches of grass. But he knew they were there. He was tracking them with his ears as he skewered them in their direction. Twelve mares were with the stallion, likely some of the ones he stole last night. Kikoli was one of the few people alive who understood horses so profoundly. And Katie was like him, tuned into the minds of these creatures. So far, everything about Ishtar pleased him. Kikoli spoke quietly. You can have your pick, you know. What do you mean when you say I can have my pick, Kikoli? They continued watching the stud. The stallion kept its head down while eating the grass, but his ears never left the two humans. Suddenly he lifted his head, looked directly at them, and casually stepped off the bank into the water, submerging both front feet in the shallow shoreline. He dropped his head and took a long, slow drink from the river. You can have anything, Ishtar, Kikoli said, not just horses. You can be whoever, do whatever you want. The world is open for you, if you make the right moves. You see my way clearer than I, Kikoli. Kikoli was silent for a moment, then faced her and offered a prediction. Soon you will be dead, you know. The horsemaster was blunt on purpose. Katie needed to understand the possibilities ahead of her. The statement shocked her. Why do you say that? Or you will become very powerful, he continued. Why do you tell me this, Kikoli? Is it a warning or a promise? Things are happening, Ishtar, he said quietly. It's not because of you, but because it is time. However, your presence here has given people pause, and important plans have changed because of you. Some people are not pleased, and others are happy you are here. You see, Ishtar, your actions affect others. You have brought hope to many who had no hope. He held the reins loosely while his horse dropped his head looking for tasty blades of grass. I don't know, Kikoli. I feel I have no say in this. You tell me I can have my pick. I can have it all. And then you tell me this change is happening in spite of Ishtar being here. Well, which is it, Kikoli? Her voice rose in agitation. She hated riddles. She was tired of being pushed around, of not being given time to understand. I did not choose this responsibility. I did not ask to be a goddess. 
Here, Kikuli said, let your horse graze. Kikuli waited until her horse dropped his nose on the ground. Ishtar needs to let Kikuli protect her. Ishtar needs to be left alone, Katie pouted. Come with me, Ishtar. I want you to see the fires, Kikuli said, as he clicked to his horse, turned it, and galloped away toward the eastern hills. Katie took a few moments to think as she watched him become smaller and smaller in the distance. Why isn't music playing, she asked herself. The hero just rode off. He is the hero, isn't he? Well, what about me? You know, he could be a fun guy if he weren't such an asshole. Why is he doing this? Am I being taught another life lesson? How to understand a man? I'm always running behind, following, and cleaning up after them. Is that my purpose? Is that really why I'm here? Thousands of years in the past, all that he has shown me is how uncommunicative men are. Is that it? That's the big secret? Sitting alone, Katie jiggled the reins in her hands and muttered to her horse, It's amazing what power an object can have. This strip of cowhide has become a telephone wire between us. Now that is amazing, isn't it? Being another uncommunicative male, the stud didn't respond. He just kept eating. Let's go after Kikoli, Katie said. Pulling the horse's head from the ground, she kicked her heels into his sides and galloped after Kikoli. But the pace was too painful. Every long, hard reach of the horse's front legs lurched Katie's body forward, reminding her of the wounds she had received not so long ago. She slowed to a canter to lessen the pain. And it's easier on my child, Katie told herself. She looked ahead for Kikoli. He would be there. She was sure of that. Somehow she knew he would always be there if she needed him. He was giving her time to show them both her mettle. That was what today was about. Ishtar needed to realize how strong she was, and this realization would become a part of Katie's entire being, a role she could summon instantly and automatically. She slowed to a walk when she saw him waiting for her. What fires did you mean, Kikuli? she asked as she approached. He clicked his horse to join her, and they walked together. In the hills ahead of us, fire comes from the earth. Who made these fires? Who tends them? The fires have always been here, Ishtar. No one started them. No one is needed to tend them. The place is called Baba Gurgur, the father of flames. It is a gift from the gods. He stopped speaking for a moment and then said, Look behind us. The black one is following. They both turned to see the black stallion watching them from a distance. But we don't have the soldiers here to help me catch him, Katie said. We will not catch him today, Ishtar. More important issues are pressing us. We will have time for the stallion later. Kikuli set off again, urging his horse into a trot. Katie followed. Could we slow down, please, Kikuli? she said when she caught up to him again. They'd only been riding a few miles, but now Katie was in tremendous pain. She felt she would not have the strength to return home if they didn't start back soon. She was not sure what to tell Kikuli. She was afraid it would make her appear weak. He slowed his pace as they rode into a stretch of low, rolling hills. Katie smelled sulfur and a petrochemical odor. Further ahead, they passed a slimy, black, stagnant pond, exuding the now overpowering sulfur smell. It's up ahead, just over that small hill, Kikuli said. Katie followed him to the crest and stopped. Sure as hell, the fellow was right. Two hundred feet in front of them was a depression, a hole in the ground filled with dancing, fiery flames. A forty-foot diameter bowl had sunk in the middle of this meadow like a bombed-out crater, and the cavity was smoking as flames leaped from the bottom of it. The ground was black from burning, 
but nothing was in the depression. Nothing was needed to feed the fire. The flames came from underground, from inside the earth. Wow, this is neat, Kikoli. For the moment, Katie forgot how sore she was. Downhill from the fiery attraction, many men were working on a structure. She looked back at Kikoli, who was waving to them. Who are they? They're with us. The men are building a shelter for you. Me? He nodded his head. And you, Kikoli, where will you be? I will be with my soldiers, Ishtar. He waved his hand toward the camps being set on the hills around them. Finally, Katie understood. This was all for her. You are a goddess, she told herself. Katie Reynolds is Ishtar. That's it. Deal with it. She smiled and nodded at Kikuli. I'm beginning to understand what you're telling me. Her smile turned into a chuckle. Hey, girl, she thought. It could be a lot worse. You could be dead now. That thought made her laugh out loud. So, Kikuli, when did you decide a camp out was the best thing to do? She was curious about this pleasant surprise. Earlier, before we left, he replied, Today was not a day for you to meet the king, and I told my Marianu today was not a day to catch a stallion. Today was a day to show faith and strength. He opened his arms, and she followed his hands as he turned, pointing to the four corners of the earth. The hills around the fire pit were now covered with Kikuli's elite chariot divisions. He wanted her to see his might. He cued his horse, and together they rode down the hill to the encampments. She was very impressed. These people, these believers, were giving this display of allegiance, loyalty, armed power, and might to her. But something felt wrong here. Katie stopped her horse and looked at Kikuli hard. He also stopped when he saw her stare. Here she was again, being told what her next step was to be, once again following the words of others, and she became angry. Kikuli sensed her anger and paused, uncertain. He had not yet seen this part of Ishtar. I thought you were Kikuli, the master horseman, she said in a low voice, the ultimate horse whisperer. But when I see all of this, I wonder, are you just another hawkish warmonger? Are you? I thought you were about the horses, not weapons and war. Sliding off her horse, Katie walked toward the eternal flame. She turned around. And this fire pit is just another example of what a big man you are. She marched over to a flag, one of the new ones, with the new Mitanni symbols of Ishtar on it. Pulling the pole from the ground, she swung it angrily around her until she hit another flagpole and something broke. She heard the snap. A flag was on the ground. She picked it up and threw it into the eternal flames. Fuck you, she said, turning her back to Kikuli. Get the flag! Retrieve the flag! Kikuli yelled. Three men raced to be the first into the fire pit. Katie stopped and turned, suddenly realizing she was sending these brave men to their doom. No! she yelled. She certainly didn't want to see them burn up and die. Stop! Stop running! It isn't worth it! she yelled. But it was too late. Simultaneously, all three fully dressed and armored Marianu touched the flag. A brief tug of war ensued before things became too hot and only the fellow with the thickest skin could stand the heat. He came running out of the fire pit, proclaiming victory, proudly holding the flag with its smoldered flagpole high in the air. There was a lot of cheering and backclapping among the men. Relieved no one died, Katie felt foolish. She did not know that the risk of burning up was small, as long as one was quick on his feet. Kikuli waited patiently, and eventually Ishtar approached him again. I feel like I've been tricked, she said. 
I thought— Wait, Kikoli interrupted. Please, Kikoli, let me talk. I thought you were a different person, one who could help me take on this role of goddess. You are the one who can answer my questions, the one who is the happiest, because you have the answers. And you are special because you talk to horses. You tell them what you want, and they do it for you. Horses listen to me because I do not threaten or menace them. I ask for their respect. Only when they give me respect do I ask for more. You know that, mighty Ishtar. You surely do. Yes, she knew that. But why is Kikoli secure in his place here, and I am not, she thought. You feel angst because you expect too much, too fast, Kikoli said. You want your body to heal right now. You want things to change too quickly. Things do change. But at times the change takes so long one never knows if progress is occurring. But even slow progress is still progress. It is neither going backward nor is it standing still, Ishtar. She remained impatient. Then you must explain to me why others continue to dictate everything I do, Kikuli. You tell me I can have everything and anything. Yet there are some real-world boundaries here. I cannot go anywhere or do anything. That is what I feel, what I fear. How do you not see that you are given open arms, Ishtar? What holds you back from assuming your power? I am afraid I will be used as a tool to hurt others. I am not looking for that kind of power. I have learned the power to heal. I do not want to take on the power to destroy. There is no difference, Ishtar. Both are sides of the same sword. Both are blades cast from the same metal, annealed jointly, sharpened together. The only difference between healing and death is the intent of the holder of the sword. I am a horse whisperer, but what is more important, Ishtar, is that you are a people whisperer. He moved closer and spoke calmly only to her. People come to see what you are about, and they find respect in your eyes. You carry truth and love for them in your very being. That is what they see, Ishtar. This works for you, so all is well with Ishtar and the world, for it is the right way to treat the world. But with this power, it is easy to take advantage of others. So why do people give away this power so easily, Kikoli? The peace they receive in return for giving someone else this power makes their life easier, more sensible. If they give their lives to you, everything will be all right. It is a great burden and a great responsibility to hold so many others in your hands. And many people will try to control you and use your goodness to enrich themselves. It is the evil that accompanies power. There must be a continued effort to keep this evil away. You have the desire to create peace, and that will be your legacy. You will be the goddess who hears the whispers of the people. Where do you fit in, Kikuli? Where my horses are happiest. My way is simple because I have not prescribed to the notion of power. Well, I haven't either. I don't want this burden. I don't have the wisdom to know who will use me for good and who will use me for evil. So why do you push me there? It is not I who am asking this of you. It is the way of the world, and I believe you are strong enough to accept it. You will not be happy if you do not go to that place. You will be lost. You will spend your life searching for that which you ran away from. Do not run. And your life, Kikuli? Aren't you running? I stopped running a long time ago, Ishtar. I have found my place. I have found peace and serenity. And that is how I know my words to you are true. 
Kitty thought for a moment and smiled at him. You are the first person who has spoken to me like this, she said. Thank you for your words, your kindness, and your understanding, Kikoli. Of course, my goddess. I will be here whenever you need me. She suddenly felt the desire to stretch and walk about, to take a break from this intensity. I have a lot to think about, she said. I would like to talk to René, the Mariano who came with me from Laliche. Is he near? I will summon him, Ishtar. Kikali held out his arm, and she stepped forward and took it. He escorted her to the threshold of her tent, turned, and bowed his goodbye. The soldiers had her digs royally laid out. The porch in front of her tent was aligned to face the crater of everlasting fire. Twelve flags outlined the path to the pit on either side. Whoa! Hey, Princess! René yelled to her as he walked up between the flagpoles. Hey, René! Come talk to me. What happened to you today, Katie? We lost track of you. Just more unbelievable stuff, René. Unbelievable. Here, turn around. They both stood and looked down the straight row of twenty-four flagpoles, leading directly to the eternal flame. René, this is my weekend retreat. She twirled to show him her kingdom. In this special place, I get free heat, I have a portable temple, as many flags as I want, a twenty-four-hour kitchen, and many, many soldiers and chariots. Welcome to my life. So, what's next, Ishtar? René asked. Let's order some beer, René. We'll hide, just you and me, right here in the tent. Let's get obnoxious. We have all day tomorrow to do our job. What is our job, Katie? Tomorrow, I'm going to catch Apollyon. And the day after that, I'm going to conquer the world. End of the book, The Inconvenient Goddess, by James E. Ahrens, DVM. Thank you for listening. This is the final podcast for The Inconvenient Goddess. Of Gods and Mortals is the name of the second book in the Ancient Katie series. It is available in print, but hasn't been narrated for audio. Mary and I are finishing the final edit of Tiger Lady, and we now have the book available through the new Kindle Vela program where a person downloads chapters of books one at a time. Anyone can read the first three chapters for free and then decide if the read is worthwhile. I have a strong feeling you will. The story starts when Selena, a disillusioned and bulimic playboy playmate, abandons Hugh Hefner's cozy ship. She leaves the playmate mansion to live with her lover Jay an agent for the William Morris Agency, who promises to get Selena into the movies. But this sours because Jay is drawn into the cocaine world. So Selena decides to leave, intending to open a wildcat sanctuary. Selena moves to the rural mountains of Paso Robles with Tamira, her pet tiger. You can find Tiger Lady by going to Kindle Vela. Once on the site, just search for Tiger Lady. And I can still accommodate you if you want more podcasts. The Inconvenient Goddess is my second podcast. The next one in line is Koologi, Butterfly Boy, a story beginning in veterinary school where Rory Evans, a Southern California dude, falls in love with Katie Reynolds, a beautiful woman from the Navajo Reservation. And, in case you've missed it, 
you can listen to exciting, oft-times agonizing, and painful chapters from my autobiography, Fear of Failure, where I solidify my decision on entering veterinary school. Again, thank you for visiting my world.